to speak to you today on why I will not sell you snake oil. I've got two different texts and the first one is in Jeremiah the 23rd chapter and reading from verses 28 and 29, it says, the prophet who has a dream, let him tell the dream and he who has my word, watch this, let him speak my word faithfully. What a shaft to the wheat. In other words, feed ha uh, wheat has feeding qualities, amen. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord? like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. And then in the New Testament in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and reading from verse 12, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the hearts. Jeremiah Johnson is a prophet of God who, when he started his ministry many years ago, he would prophesy to as many people who would come uh, to the altar. Many were blessed and, and he would keep on doing this as long as people kept coming. They would fall, they would laugh, they would cry, they would shake and the crowds grew and the invitations kept, came, came flooding in. Two years into this, uh, Jeremiah Johnson had a prophetic experience a prophetic dream where he stood before a judge who was clothed in white who had a huge gavel and the judge spoke these words and I want you to listen very carefully he said Jeremiah I love your heart and your desire for the prophetic but he said I have this against you he said you are guilty of feeding babies with too much sugar and if you continue down this path the people will love you but I will be greatly displeased with you and though your gifting outwardly excites the people, inwardly they are malnourished and their teeth are rotting with decay. And the Holy Spirit said to him, I want you to preach the Word of God and I want you to teach holiness and I want you to teach repentance in the fear of God. Prophesy to the people as I lead you, but you cannot build your ministry of your gifting. Boy, when I read that, I'll tell you the fear of God came into my heart. I don't ever want to be guilty of feeding you with sugar water. I don't want to have a church full of people with rotting and decaying teeth. The Pentecostal church today is guilty of fostering a culture of spiritual babies who crave for sugary words of destiny while their teeth are rotting and our conferences are packed with people who are malnourished because they've never been thought the strong word of the Lord. They like to cry, laugh, shake and fall, but they don't tremble at my word, says the Lord. They are addicted to personal prophecies, but they know nothing of consecration and the fear of God. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got to stop giving people what they want, sugar, and give people what they need, the, me the meat and the milk of the Word of God. Amen. My message today is entitled, Why I Will Not Sell You Snake Oil. Snake oil is a term that was used to describe deceptive marketing in, or in our common lingo, a scam. Snake oil salesman is someone who sells, promotes, valueless or fraudulent cures as medicine. It was coined in the 1800s as a sort of a cure-all elixir or panacea for all kinds of psychological problems that you may have. Just pop two happy pills and all your problems will go away. Take a Prozac today and then all your depression will flee. And we say things like this in the church as well. Just come to our church and God will solve all your problems. That is selling snake oil. That is deceptive marketing. And uh, when we don't present to the people the full gospel and, and tell them that is the, there is a price to pay in following Jesus, amen. 
But they're not just snake oil salesmen. They're also snake oil preachers. Boy, don't believe the preacher who offers you that special ingredient that can cure all your problems. Don't believe a preacher who promises you wealth and riches and fame and a rose garden and everything is going to be hunky-dory in your life. The life of a believer is not easy. Jesus said that in this world, you will have tribulation. The Apostle Paul said, through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom of God. The true Christian life involves suffering, it involves taking up your cross, and it involves dying to this world. My friends, there is a price to pay in following Jesus. Amen. Now the Word of God is described in Scripture as four things. The Word is described as a hammer. The Word is also described as a fire. It's also described as a sword and the word is also described as wheat. So is it not reasonable for me, ladies and gentlemen, to say that if I fully preach the gospel, that the people are going to get hammered and like who, like hard rock, are smashed into pieces? Is it not reasonable for me to suppose that if I truly preach the word, that people are going to feel pierced by the sword of the Spirit and be convicted? Is it not reasonable for me to suppose that if I truly preach the word, that those who have been called will be set on fire? Is it not reasonable for me to suppose that if I truly preach the word, that people would walk out of this place fed and nourished, hallelujah. So is it sensible for me to say that if I preach the word and nobody ever gets smashed, nobody got pierced, nobody got ignited and nobody got nourished, is it not safe to say then that if nothing like this ever happens when I preach, that I've not truly preached the word. And as long as you're, I am the pastor of this church, I promise you, I will never feed you sugar water. I will never sugarcoat the gospel. I will tell you the gospel's, gospel as it really is. Because if you don't grow in your capacity to receive the strong meat of the word of God, you will always be incapacitated. You will always be a babe. And the truth is there are many Christians running around with their spiritual diapers, they don't know the Word, and when you don't know the Word, then all you have is an opinion, but you don't have a revelation of truth. And the very same people who are ignorant of Scriptures are often the ones that are very sympathetic to sin. And this explains why so many Christians do crazy things, like stand up for gay rights and abortion and so on. That is because they don't know the Word of God. They don't know the ways of God. And they don't know that, that when you don't know God's Word, you begin to sympathize with those who think uh, you, they appear marginalized. And that's why I plead with you, my friends, read the Word of God, obey the Bible, and for goodness sake, have a prayer life, man. Have a prayer life and make sure you're fellowshipping with God's people. Learn to hear His voice, go deep. The Word of God is Jesus in print, hallelujah. And uh, you meditate on the Word and that's how you become strong in the Word, amen. Now, one of the greatest needs in the church, church today is a need for discernment. And the lack of discernment in the church is appalling. The reason why so many Christians are falling into grave deception is a lack of discernment. And I think that Christians are some of the most gullible people in the world. They will believe everything they read on social media, on mainstream media, and we don't stop to ask if this is true. Jesus himself lamented that the sons of the world are wiser or more shrewd in dealing with their generation than the sons of light. That's an indictment against his own people. Now Satan has waged a war against the church. He doesn't need to wage war against the world because the world is already his. 
The world has been deceived. He's called in the Bible the deceiver of the whole world. But he's not content, ladies and gentlemen, in deceiving the whole world. No, sir. What he wants is he wants to deceive the very elect. And while Satan has many weapons in his arsenal, most formidable of all his weapons is something called deception. And the church's number one protection against this deception is discernment. And the Lord warned that there'll be widespread deception in the last days. False teachers, false prophets will arise. And if it was possible that the very elect would be deceived. So to be forewarned is to be forearmed. If we don't grow in our discernment, I'm warning you, my friends, you can be swept away in a deception that is coming. It's very powerful and it's very sinister. Mark Twain said this one time, he said, it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they've been fooled. And there's never been a time where there's been so much lies, false teaching, fake news, conspiracy theories floating around. And all this has been amplified because of social media. And it's absolutely true that lies spread so much faster than the truth. Let's talk a few moments about discernment. Now, some of you may have heard this, heard me say this before, but for the sake of the many new people we have in the church, many years ago, I was studying on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I asked the Lord, what gift, Lord, should I ask you for? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, ask me for the gift of discerning of spirits. To be honest, I was very a bit disappointed because I was young, foolish, and naive. I wanted the power gifts, the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, the gift of faith to move mountains, or maybe one of the relevatory gifts. But through the years, I've come to realize that perhaps the most important gift a pastor can have is the gift of discerning of spirits because more than anything else, this gift can save a pastor and it can save a church from great pitfalls and problems. If you have the gift of discernment, you would want it to operate all the time in your life because you're constantly surrounded by people and you need to know who is who. And this is where the gift operates best. Now, what is discernment, ladies and gentlemen? Discernment is the ability to discern right from wrong, good from evil. It is different from the gift of discerning of spirits, which is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It is the gift of discerning of spirits is the anointing that enables a man or a woman to discern the source of a person's ministry. When it operates, this gift enables you to understand, to know if a person is operating through his own spirit or through the God spirit or is it through a demonic source. <clears throat> My spiritual father, Brother Bailey, had this amazing gift operating constantly in his life as well as discernment. He could easily recognize the voice or the source of a person, whether it was from God, whether it was the flesh or a demon, and he knew if something was amiss. So here's an illustration. How many of you have ever seen a person shake under the power of God? Now, how many of you have ever seen a person shake because of a demon? Now, how many of you have ever seen a person shake because they needed attention? Yeah? Tell me, what is the common denominator in all these three descriptions? They all look the same. So how do you know it's, it's of God? How do you know if it's a demon or an individual who's doing the shaking? Discernment. 
Discernment and the Holy Spirit can give you the gift of discerning of spirits which enables you to correctly determine the source of the manifestation. Now Hebrews chapter 5 in verse 14, watch this. It says, solid food <clears throat> belongs to those who are of a full age. That, it, that is by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Having discernment is one of the signs of maturity and it's developed through the exercise of our spiritual senses. We all have five spiritual senses, our seeing, our hearing, our smelling, our tasting, and our feeling. We have five natural senses. The more we learn to depend on our spiritual senses, the more we are less dependent on our natural senses. And these, these senses have to be exercised like a muscle. Now, people with discernment can handle the strong meat of the word. And that's what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. Did you know that an undiscerning person in the Bible is a sign of a debased mind? Paul lumps an undiscerning person together with the untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, and then undiscerning. I call them the five aunties. <laughs> now, discernment is the nose. I have an uncanny ability to smell cockroaches. I walk into a room. If there's a cockroach in the room, they emit a certain scent. I pick up the scent. I've never been wrong. I walk into the room and I know that there's a cockroach in the room. In the same way in the spirit, God can allow us to develop our spiritual nose to such a degree that the moment something is amiss, we're able to discern it and you pick up a scent very quickly. In 2006, there was a controversial miracle worker from Nigeria who visited Singapore. Meetings were held at the indoor stadium. Many of my friends supported this man's ministry. When I first watched a video of this man ministering, I was deeply disturbed. All the warning signs started blinking. So I kept my distance. I didn't want to have anything to do with the man or anything to do with the conferences. And I pleaded with my friends not to get involved. <clears throat> and one of the reasons was, I was almost certain that this man was operating by a different spirit. He claimed to be a man of God, but there were so many red flags and seemingly occultic practices. But there he was, there he was, performing outrageous miracles. So my friends seemed to be swept away by the miracles and I want to just stand here today and say that just because a man can perform miracles does not validate his ministry. Jesus warned us and he said, you know, in the, there will be a day coming when people would stand before him and said, did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? And Jesus will say, you depart from me. I never knew who you were. More and more, we're going to see deceptive signs and wonders and they're going to be astounding. They're going to astound the whole world. Satan is going to bring out his big guns and he's going to disguise himself as an angel of light. So I warned my friends about this man. And some of my well-meaning friends in ministry came to my office and rebuked me, literally rebuked me. A man came into my office and went as far as to put a curse on me. And he says, Pastor, if you ever come against this man, God will curse you. Well, to cut the long story short, this man came and left, but he saw tears while we were sleeping and he introduced something 
into the Singapore church that I am not certain today that has been fully purged. And I personally think that it, it affected the progress of the church here in this country. I know what I'm saying, my friends. You can't sit under the anointing of a false prophet and not be affected by his false teaching. If you receive a true prophet, what do you receive, my friends? You receive the prophet's reward. What is the prophet's reward? True revelation. But if you receive a false prophet, what do you receive? The false prophet reward, which is deception. Now, T.B. Joshua died of cancer in 2021, but that was not the end of it. BBC reported in January 2024, just last month, after a two-year investigation of the church, <clears throat> there was evidence of widespread sexual abuse, torture of scores of women who were held in prison by T.B. Joshua. Dozens of ex-church members alleged torture, atrocities, rape, forced abortions, child abuse, and people being whipped, people being chained, and people not allowed, being allowed to sleep. Multiple first-hand accounts detailing how the man of God faked his uh, miracles, which by the way, were broadcasted to millions of people around the world. But TB Joshua's most serious problem was his connection to African witchcraft, where he visited regularly a, a ritualistic shrine filled with fetishes and idols to draw power from a dark force. I tell you this, my friends, no genuine preacher or Christian will mix a idolatry with the Holy Ghost. This is called syncretism. And it's a deadly concoction when you, when you mix light and darkness. And Paul warned us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, what is fellowship that light has to do with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Anyone who mixes the truth with the occult will lead others to hell. And finally, you know, a guest house for pilgrims collapsed in 2014, killing 115 people in the compound. My friends, how did we not discern this? How did we miss it? How did the majority of leaders not see this? How did they not discern this? How did we not discern he was practicing witchcraft and mixing with the gospel? I tell you how we were so enamored with the signs and the wonders that we were blinded to what was truly happening. The question we failed to ask is, where did he derive his power from? Does this man perform miracles by the finger of God or does this man perform miracles through another source and ladies and gentlemen we've got to grow in our discernment because both Satan and God are going to perform mighty miracles in the last days and discernment will tell us which miracle is from God and which is not. Amen. In Acts chapter 8, <clears throat> I'm so sorry this is my, I've been shouting too much. In Acts chapter 8 we have a classic example of deception there was a sorcerer in the city of Samaria who astonished the people with his magic. And I want to just say every appearance of magic should not be in the church. Amen. It says that all, all the people gave heed to him from the greatest to the least. And they were calling this man the great power of God. Boy, he was a narcissist. And everyone thought that his power came from God. So this man literally deceived a whole city. Then Philip comes into town preaches the gospel with great power, performs great miracles and signs. And this sorcerer knows that he's out of his league, man. That he can never perform the signs that Philip was performing. And so 
He decides to jump on the bandwagon. He gets baptized. And everybody is thinking, that's so awesome. Yippee! Simon the sorcerer is now one of us. He's saved and he's in the church. Philip, then Peter comes along. There's a big difference between Peter and Philip. The difference is Peter had discernment. Philip didn't. Peter could smell a rat a mile away. Philip couldn't. And Philip, Peter could easily discern the condition of this man's heart and rebuke the madman for thinking he could purchase the power of God. The point I'm trying to make is everybody thought the man was a swell guy, including Philip the evangelist. The sorcerer could fool everyone, but he could not fool Peter. Peter had the gift of discerning of spirits and he could pick up things easily, but Philip could not discern the true state of the man. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to grow in our discernment. Now this does not mean that we got to be weary of every prophet. I'm telling you this, we have to open the church to the prophetic as well. Amen. The river of God has got two banks. And the two banks are the apostolic and the prophetic. You don't have the prophetic and the apostolic in the church. We will be incapacitated because the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Amen. And that's why we sometimes invite prophets to come. And prophets are not the, the nicest people sometimes. Amen. You said, but pastor, we are a non-profit organization, I know. But prophets sometimes are easily misjudged. But I'm telling you, if we don't allow the prophets to come, we are going to be incapacitated. They're strange people, some of them. But they carry the word. Amen. Now this does not give us a license to be suspicious about everything. God wants to give us the gift of discernment, not the gift of suspicion. Amen. In the book of Acts, there was a group of people called the Bereans, Acts 17. And the Holy Spirit commanded this group because when they heard what Paul was teaching, the Bible says that they went back, they searched the scriptures and examined it to see if what Paul was saying was true. God gives, has given us something called wisdom and sanctified common sense, the power to reason, as well as the ability to read, check, and discuss the Word of God openly. Amen. Now, if we're ever going to be a prophetic people, a prophetic church, then we will need to grow in our discernment and more than ever before, because there's a whole lot of deception that's going on around. Let me take this to a landing by quoting a scripture from the book of Exodus, the 23rd chapter, verse one and three. It says, you shall not circulate a false report. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. You shall not show partiality to the poor man in dispute. Abraham Lincoln said this one time, he said, the trouble with quotes on the internet is that you can never be sure who said them. Somebody came up to the service at the end of the service yesterday to the media team and says, I think Pastor Young miss, uh, had the quote wrongly. <laughs> That's the whole point. It's to prove a point to you. Exodus chapter 23 contains some important verses for this hour. Let me try to unpack this as I close. It says, number one, you shall not circulate a false report. Trust me, they had fake news way back then as well. Let me give you a few examples. After Jesus rose from the dead, the Jews circulated a lie 
that his body was stolen by his disciples 2,000 years later, the Jews still believed that lie and that piece of misinformation and fake news condemned millions of people to hell. That is the power of misinformation. When those 12 spies returned from surveying the promised land, 10 of them brought back a false report, a bad report that was misinformation. They didn't tell the whole truth and their lie, their unbelief caused the children of Israel to be delayed from entering into the promised land for 38 years. And I tell you this fake news can keep you from your destiny and from your inheritance. When Rome was destroyed by a fire in AD 64, the emperor Nero, he hated the Christians and so he blamed it on the Christians. And boy, there was a bloodbath that followed and many Christians by the hundreds of thousands were crucified and murdered on the streets of Rome. It is lies and propaganda that led to the death of six million Jews in the days of the Holocaust. But the greatest lie of all time happened in the garden when that serpent whispered to Eve and said, did God really say? And that piece of misinformation plunged the whole world into indescribable darkness. What makes lies and misinformation so attractive? It sounds so much like the truth. The devil will not counterfeit anything that is a lie. He only counterfeits the truth. That's why a counterfeiter will never counterfeit a $3 bill. So we have to be very careful not to repeat or circulate news that is not verifiable. Stop forwarding to people things you haven't had a chance to verify. I get in my feet all the time, people sending me this and sending me that. Listen, don't send me any more things. I've got no time to read most of the things that have been sent to me. If what you're circulating is not true, then that's called sin, S-I-N, sin. It's called circulating a false report. A lot of Christians are guilty of it. And nowadays, you don't even, it's not just the social media, it's the mainstream media that you can't trust. Because the news is so distorted, so skewed, and so fake. Now, if you're in the media, if you're a journalist, if you're in social media, keep writing, keep speaking the truth. It's going to be one of the great battlefields in these last days. Just think about it. If you were the devil and you wanted to control a city, what's the first thing you want to control? The media. The second thing is that you shall not follow a crowd to do evil. Just because everybody's moving in one direction does not make it right. If it's wrong, it's wrong and we must have the moral fiber to stand up against it. A lie doesn't become a truth. A wrong doesn't become right. Evil doesn't become good just because it is accepted by the majority. It's better to walk alone than with a crowd going in the wrong direction. Amen. So be careful of this herd mentality. It's a powerful motivator for evil. Sometimes the pressure is so great for us to conform and to be like everybody else. But will you have the backbone of steel to stand up for what is right? Amen. I hate the cancel culture. It's a culture that seeks to oppose any other form of opinion. It's a culture that says, if you don't agree or think like we do, we're going to expose you, we're going to destroy you. Sounds like the devil to me. If you don't like what I'm saying, you can just switch the channel. But you don't have the right to switch off somebody else's channel. Amen. The third thing is, you shall not show partiality to the poor man in his dispute. Now close with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 is all about how things operate in this world. There's a story that was told by Solomon. He says, a poor man in his wisdom saved a city from the invasion of a great army. At the end of the day, no one remembered the poor man, no one remembered his name, and no one remembered the words that he spoke. Why? 
because he was poor. I'll tell you this, my friends, if a poor man came into our city tonight and preached the truth, and a rich man came to our city tonight and preached a lie, nine out of 10 people will listen to the rich man preach a lie, then a poor man preached the truth, because that's how the world works. Every conference organizer wants to invite the richest man in town to be the speaker, but sadly no one is interested in the poor man who truly carries wisdom. But listen to what Solomon had to say. The words of wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of the rulers of fools. Yes, poverty is a disadvantage in the world, but we are not to show partiality to the poor man because that dishonors God. Can I just say one thing as I close? I don't think that being rich in the world is a big advantage. You might say, why so, Pastor? Because you know what Jesus said? He said, blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom of heaven in the gospel of Luke. And he said this, he said, woe unto you who are rich for in this world you have received your consolation. In other words, all the wealth that you have in this world, that's your reward. But the poor guy gets his reward in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, just think about this. This is, my, this is where I'm gonna close off. Why don't you pray and say, God, don't make me rich, Lord because the danger is I can forget you. Don't make me poor so that I steal and, and, and disgrace your name. Just give me what is enough for me. Just give me enough for what is enough for me, amen? Could we all stand in the presence of God right now? And I wanna just close with prayer. There is so much deception that's going on, my friends. And God wants to give you discernment this morning. He wants to give you the gift of discerning of spirits. Hallelujah. He wants to release over this house this morning discernment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you lift up your hands if you're saying, Pastor, I realize that there is a lack of discernment in my own personal life. The things that you spoke about, I have been guilty of. You know, yesterday a lady came up, she said, Pastor, I was a big follower of TB Joshua and I realized I was wrong and I realized I was duped because I gave Bitcoin, I gave all kinds of things to the ministry and I realized I was, I was scammed and I just need uh, to be released from that. And maybe some of you here today, you've been under the covering maybe of a false teacher or a false prophet and maybe God wants to loose you and set you free and purge you from every influence. Hallelujah. The reason why we have guest speakers in the church because the Lord said to me, I am sending them to you. Hallelujah. And if you receive them, you receive me. And if you receive me, you receive my Father. Amen. Sometimes people say, Pastor Young, we, we have quite a few guest speakers. We prefer our local speakers. I know this. But sometimes we need a different voice because if all you get is my voice, you're going to be very skewed in your opinion. We got to learn to cross-pollinate, amen? We got to learn to listen to the voices that God sends to us as well because they bring a different perspective and they are willing to challenge our presuppositions, amen? Now I want to pray for you today that God will release, hallelujah, shakara baba sota, this anointing of discernment. Oh, we need discernment today. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, I need discernment today. I need a greater discernment. Would you just raise your hands, please, wherever you are. Just raise your hands. Now I'm going to ask you to do one extra thing. 
Would you get off your seats and come to the front? Just stand here. And I want to pray because there's a corporate anointing about this. And I want to release this anointing over your life. God has given me this, uh, this anointing for discernment. I want to impart this to you. Just come and stand in the presence of God. Hallelujah. You just come and stand in the presence of God. listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.